episode of storytelling or about storytelling where I'm like, here's how you tell a joke. You'd think my titles would be improving. My SEO people are like, you need to be explicit and you need to tell people exactly what this episode is about. And I, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. I mean, I already know hundreds of people are listening to this. So F you SEO, just kidding. Tell me if the, you hate my, my headlines. Uh, I am doing this for fun. This is my creative output. So you will fucking appreciate it <laughs> or you're just not listening. Uh, and I have already started this episode like an actual crazy person. So let's just keep on keeping on, shall we? <sighs> Change management. It is also an entire minor major in management studies and, and your MBA program for those of you suckers like me who thankfully I got a scholarship. So it didn't cost me that much. It actually no, it didn't cost me that much money at all considering. But yeah, you can spend an entire semester on change management because the only thing constant is change, my friend. And this is a little bit like problem solving. I'm going to talk about one of my other most favorite thought leaders, Mr. Seth Godin and his book, The Dip. My biggest takeaway from The Dip is like, get ready, my friend, because the inevitable down follows your up. The Soaring highs and plummeting lows are all a part of this roller coaster ride that you actively chose to not just get on, but sit in the front seat for. So with that, let's talk a little bit about why change management is a thing, why you can hire entire consultants and firms to help you with change management, why problem solving and change management in my mind go hand in hand, and then how to get through the dip. Because at the end of the day, like that's the job, that's the business, that's the entrepreneur's challenge is, and I, God, I feel like I've just talked about this one over and over again, but the hero's journey. That said, you know, Stephen Pressfield's The Artist's Journey laughs at the fact that you're as an entrepreneur and small business owner, you get up, you put your pants on like everybody else, and then you endure wildly <laughs> dramatic turns of the tide. And maybe you make gold records. I was kind of trying to do an SNL bit in there, but it, unless you're a music producer, it's lost on you. So first things first, change management. And this I'm pulling absolutely from my training at IPAC, the cycle of change. Think about it like playing a card game. So there is shuffling, there is dealing, there is playing, and then there's the inevitable toss in. You get to choose if you play again. Now you are constantly in one of these parts of the cycle of change. You are shuffling, you are dealing, you are playing, or you're tossing in. You're going to experience the same set of emotions. You're going to engage in the same type of activities, and you're going to review the process very similarly wherever you're at. Now where I see a lot of business owners and businesses fall over is they get really attached to one part of this cycle. That tends to have to do with you as an individual, your skill set, what you know really motivates you, your why. And we kind of forget like what happens, you know, after we shuffle is we deal, or what happens after we play is we toss it in. We fold them. Gotta know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. I won't keep singing because I suck at singing. <laughs> 
So, you know, people get so attached to the part that they're really good at and they kind of forget that like, while you're in one cycle, you really need to be looking at how you can best prepare for the upcoming cycles. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, I've, you're anywhere in my world. I've asked multiple times, what is your sales cycle? What is your business development cycle? What is your process improvement cycle? People think of these things as a standalone activity, the sale or the process or whatever the first thing that I said was, <laughs> but they forget that like the whole point is we're continually, when we get to the end of it, we go back to the beginning so that we can iterate and improve. And that's how we expand and grow. So quickly shuffling. Shuffling is where you're getting all of the resources, you're getting all of the ideas, you're moving things around, you're very non-committal, it feels very unattached. You're just kind of trying to like do like a, a big picture scope of what's at hand, right? Um, it doesn't take a lot of energy, there's anticipation going on, there's curiosity, there's probably a little fear and trepidation if this isn't your first round. Uh, if it is your first round, then maybe there's fear and trepidation around what's going to happen. We have no idea. Things feel very uncertain. They feel very shaky, but it, you know, it's also like an exciting time. Once we shuffle, we deal. So this is where we kind of start sizing up the competition. We start thinking through some strategies. We start going, if this, then that. We might get a little a little cocky, we might get a little intimidated. And, you know, we kind of, we kind of pick a few things that we're gonna, we're probably gonna test out. And then we begin to play. So when we're playing, we are in the moment, it can be very focused, we're really like looking at what's happening, you know, we've got some more information available to us, we've tested a strategy or two, we're seeing what other people are putting down our betting, you know, we can, we're starting to really engage in our immediate environment and um, things are, are, you know, the pressure is building, the stakes are rising and we're, we're maybe even watching some other people give up and that's informing us. It might be giving us more fear. It might be giving us more hope that only time will tell. And then eventually we toss it in. Now we may have won this round and we might be feeling phenomenal or we may have bet and lost it all. There is a lot of review in this period. There is potentially regret. And even if you've won it, sometimes we think, well, maybe we could have, we should have bet higher. We should have, we should have, would have, could have. Now we also have the opportunity to choose to play again here. And then we repeat. Now, what we forget in some of these stages is that they are simply just a stage. This too shall pass. So while we are in this current phase, are we prepared for the last phase? Did we learn from the previous phase? When we get here again, what may we do different or what might we do exactly the same? How can we set ourselves up so that we cannot lose? You know, maybe we, we stop while we're ahead. <laughs> we set a target. Maybe we study and really start tracking and measuring specific performance targets. I think you, you get the analogy. We are always in one of these stages, shuffling, dealing, playing, or tossing it in. 
usually when we get stuck, it's because we think we're in this phase forever. And I can't tell you how many small business owners I've talked to that, you know, their slow season, the tough season is the same season every year. (laughs) Or um, the shitty day of sales is the same day every week. Or the same piece of equipment keeps causing the same problems or the same vendor keeps letting them down in the same way. And it's like, let's look at this pattern and not from a place of judgment, but from a place of curiosity. Does this have to stay the same? Has this always been the same? Will this always be the same? The answer to that question is quite obviously no. So then the next even more obvious question is what do you want to do about it? Now, this is where we get into problem solving. We all approach problems differently. And if you've listened to me once, you've heard me say it a thousand times because I repeat myself. You're welcome. I use this framework that was part of my training, very similar with that cycle of change analogy from IPAC called the seven levels. Now, this framework mirrors the eight limbs of yoga. It mirrors Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It capitalizes on Jungian psychology. It's, I mean, it's such an obvious way of breaking things down that I think to give any one person or one discipline credit is, uh, is what it is. But what I appreciate about this approach is it makes things very simple. I have seven steps. I can step up. I can step down. I know I can't jump from step one to step seven, but I can, I can go from step one to three or from step one to two. It gives me a very manageable, very strategic way of figuring out where am I and where do I want to go? So obviously with the cycle of change, we can probably guess where we are and you will have multiple cycles going on in your business and multiple places. You know, that's where this kind of becomes really interesting is how do these cycles influence each other? Now, when we are looking at where we're at in a particular cycle or how we've performed in the past cycle, we have this opportunity to evaluate a problem. Now, some of us are going to start at level one, which is avoidance, fear. We don't even want to think about the problem. The thought problem feels so impossible, so insurmountable, so intractable that there, it's just impossible. Like we, we are paralyzed in our ability to do anything about it. We hide from it. We avoid it. We ignore it. And even if we are like wanting change, when we're feeling like this about the problem, it's impossible to take action. We can't create change because we are so afraid, so paralyzed by fear that it can even just show up like apathy where we just take no action. That's the the advantage of this approach, this perspective is it actually gives us permission to just ignore it, avoid it, leave it, because nothing can be done, right? Then we tend to go to step two, level two, which is, well, fuck that. Fuck you, fuck this, fuck everything. It's impossible. The man is against me. It's everybody else's fault. We fight it. This can show up like blame. This can show up like force, you know, forcing yourself into action and creating burnout, forcing other people using that fear you know, you're going to lose your job. We're going to lose the business. We're going to lose this fight. And yes, more action occurs than it does when you're at level one, when you're just avoiding and freaked out, too freaked out to do anything. But this isn't sustainable action, nor is this inspired action. This is action for action's sake, action to get out of the fear than to just do something. Because doing, I, I used to say this all the time, 
action is the anecdote to fear. That's not true. Trust, faith, love. I mean, there's a lot of anecdotes to fear, but it's certainly not just action for action's sake. So knowing that that might be our knee-jerk reaction, we can move into level three. And level three is where we concede, where we fine, it's fine. We're aware it's a problem. We're doing something about it and it's fine. It's a relief from levels one or two, but it's not really a place of expansion or growth. However, sometimes we need to compartmentalize. We're dealing with a obscene customer or an an employee who is stuck in their own one and two space. And in the moment, there's just not a lot that we can do about it. This is the same as like that super elementary worry tree that I've shared in some place. There is a problem at hand and there's nothing you can do about it in the moment. Then you shift focus. That's a level three strategy. So you can start to see how you might be in a one or two, you can get to three and go, there's nothing I can do about this in this moment. I am going to circle back to this on Friday morning. I am scheduling out time in my calendar, but until then, I'm just not going to worry about it because that doesn't help anything. It is a relief. It is, it is useful. I mean, obviously there is a solution being applied in this moment that's going to enable you to move forward. It's not going to create like the magical, unbelievable unicorn miracle that you, you might be looking for. But from here, you know, and again, this is how we use these levels to really strategize because you can go, well, I know where I'm at and it fucking sucks. So I'm going to go to three and think I can't solve this huge thing right now, but I can do this one thing takes you up to level four. What is the solution in this moment? Now, in problem solving, one of the challenges is we're, we're already coming from a place of judgment. This is good. This is bad. This is where the level two shows up, the fight, the force, because we're saying there's a winner or a lose, there's a loser, there's a right or a wrong. And the reality is, is we do not live in a binary world. Our world is not black and white. It is all of the colors of the rainbow. And when we find ourselves in a black or white, win or lose, right or wrong, better or worse scenario, we know we're in a binary. That's when it's useful to go, okay, I know that there's limitless opportunity, endless potential, but I can't see any of it. So right now I'm just going to move to a place. I'm going to, I'm going to move to a place of neutrality with awareness around that and then ask, well, what can I do right now? Stepping out of a place of judgment to just simply a place of curiosity. Another popular question copied from Mr. Gary Keller in The One Thing, what is the next best thing, the next one thing I can do in this moment to make everything else easier or potentially unnecessary? That's a great level four question. That's how you level up to a space where you can do something. You can be useful. You can create some change. You can be impactful. And you're releasing some of this judgment around this scenario. You know that you are looking at this from a place of curiosity and opportunity when you co-create a solution. The difference between level four and level five is simply judgment. At level five, you become the creator, the creator of your reality, the creator of solutions, the creator of opportunity, even in the deepest, darkest, most intimidating challenge. And you realize that unless a win-win-win can be created, you're just going to have to stop playing. Yeah, this might be, and we'll get to this in the dip, this might be where you actually get up and walk away from the table. 
or this might be where you ask everyone to dig a little bit deeper. This might be where you look at the whole list of solutions and potentials and possibilities created and pick one and just say, look, let's test this. Let's test this for 30 days. You do this, I'll do that. This is our metric for success. Let's go. Let's see what happens. The difference between that creative space, that level five and level six is trust. So you can imagine if you're approaching problems and challenges like opportunities, because there's always going to be a solution on the other side of it, something that makes you bigger, better, badder, badder, and like, you know, the old Michael Jackson, <laughs> bad. Apologies if that's a trigger. I'm just saying, cool. You know where I'm going with this. Anyhow, how crazy is it how we can like get so fucking insecure about that one person who's listening that's like going to have a hissy fit about one word? And that person isn't fucking listening because they they already had a hissy fit when I said fuck like 18 times. So uh, moving on. When you approach problems from a place of knowing that on the other side of this is something that's going to be of use and improvement, that's one thing. That's, that's very level four. When you know that not only is there an opportunity, but there is a win-win-win for everybody involved. And that is the solution of the highest and best for all. That's where we create disruptive technology. That's where we turn opportunities into miracles. That's when we differentiate ourselves from good to great. When we step into level six, we trust. We actually welcome challenges. We don't even see problems. This is where there are no mistakes. This is where even in our darkest night and most trying of tribulations, we can cry and yell and scream and know this too shall pass because I've been here before and I'll get through this just like I did the last time. And we step into a place of trust. I think I did a couple episodes again. It's that difference between faith and certainty. I don't know how this is going to end up, but I know however it ends up, it's going to be exactly what is needed. It's that 2020 hindsight. You can look back on everything that you've created or done, everything you've blown up and burned down and realize it's what got you to this moment. And in those moments, you didn't know how it was going to work out. You made it work. That's level six. This is all supposed to happen. This is meant to be. And from this place of trust, that's where magic happens. That's where the miracles happen. That's where the, the viral post comes from, right? And then finally, level seven is just that true, like Zen, like there are no mistakes. Everything is meant to be. Everything happens for a reason. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. Everyone is just doing their best. And yeah, you are enough and enough is the feast. That's the breakdown for problem solving from those from those seven levels. You can jump up. I, I also encourage people to jump down. That's my uh, cohorts and fellow Ipecians would not agree with me. And I've, I've argued with them about that. Sometimes, you know, those of us who have a very level five, level six approach. So we are in full creative mode. We're always looking for the opportunity we're in full trust that we're going to figure out. We can also be really risky and like very disconnected from the situation. I mean, you think about like Steve Jobs and I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs. Let's just be really clear. Or Elon Musk, like the risk those dudes took and take the opportunity cost. Like you talk to some of the people that have worked for those guys and it was not a positive experience for them. Now that's not to say that again, 
the employees or the employers or the leaders and the, I don't want to say followers, but you know what I mean, are better or worse or right or wrong. It's just simply to say that there are disadvantages and advantages to all perspectives, all energetic spaces, all attitudes, um, all paradigms. And with awareness, you can say, oh, I know I tend to be really risky. And even though it's coming from this expansive, connective, intuitive, trusting place, like it might behoove me to go down to that like level three <laughs> and just, you know, what's the worst case scenario? What what might happen here? So anyhow, that's the seven levels in terms of problem solving. You have a way that you show up most of the time. Now you might have like, when it comes to problem solving in your family, you might approach that a little bit differently than problem solving in the sales in your business. But chances are in either regard, you have like a, a dominant, a default tendency. Knowing that is super helpful. It's the same thing in poker. Like that's your poker face, right? It's how you play the game. And I use the poker analogy for the change management cycle of change card game connection, right? So knowing how you play, knowing your strategy, knowing how you typically show up, especially in problem solving, because that's like when you're triggered, that's going to give you an advantage and that's going to enable you to find the advantage move because there's always an advantage to be played for you, my friend, when you look for it. I mentioned The Dip a little bit before, and this is a book that Seth Godin wrote. It's like everything else, incredibly succinct. He manages to get the most profound concepts out and digested in like 50, 60 pages. It's wild. I mean, it's maybe an hour's worth of reading. And this is incredibly important for any entrepreneur, any business owner, especially every creative trailblazer, rule breaker, rebel because I think we all go through the dip. This shows up like that sudden drop in sales, that post that didn't land, the piece that didn't sell, the strategy that just didn't work. And our initial reaction to that is despair, (laughs) defeat. Yeah, I mean, some of us can have full on meltdowns. I've certainly had more than my fair share. And yeah, I mean, sometimes I've let a little bit of defeat snowball into a complete self-destruct, burn it all down moment. And by moment, I mean months of pain and despair. What what can we learn from the dip? I What I loved most about the dip is it just called to my attention that this is like inevitable. You'll hear me say like, I kind of think burnout is inevitable. And I'm sure people can argue with me and disagree with me on that one. It's just this knowing that at some point you're going to hit a wall. And I don't care who you are or how successful you are or how gifted you are or like what magic you fucking wield, (laughs) you hit a wall. So just knowing that like, this is normal and this too shall pass. It's the cycle of change. It's the toss in means that when you do hit it, it doesn't have to mean anything. And that's where I will diverge from Seth because Seth talks about like when to quit and when to keep going. That's kind of what the dip is about. What I want to focus on more is how to get through the dip. Because one thing you'll definitely hear me say is the only way you fail is if you quit. And Seth is arguing like there is definitely times to quit. I guess I would say that like the quit is just the toss in and that can look or feel like however you want before you quit and walk away and stop playing the game. I think there's some things to kind of figure out. So firstly, am I, are you just panicking? Like, are you in that level one, two spiral? 
because those levels, that experience, that fear and that force is compounding. It is incredibly magnetic. And if you want to explore this more with me, text me 720-704-4865 and just say like, hey, I want to learn more about the levels. Because I do like a whole assessment and, and honestly, anyone from iPad can that'll show you how you tend to show up in your day to day and then specific strategies for you to level up if you so choose. If you're panicking, if you're freaking the fuck out, if you're forcing yourself, we know this is unsustainable. We know this yields undesirable results. Again, don't make decisions from here. Don't ask yourself, am I going to quit? Instead, make sure firstly, you've got proof of concept so that this strategy, this experience that you're in, like, have you seen it work yet? Now, if not, that's where you start is just getting proof. So whether it's a sales or a social media post or like whatever the thing is that you're doing, has it ever worked? Now, if not, that's all you're looking for, my friend. You just want that proof. So change one variable, change a word, change a color, change a person, change a script, you know, like whatever it is that you're doing that you're like, I'm about to fucking throw the towel in and give up. If you haven't yet succeeded, just start there. And then, you know, I go through a million different ways that you can kind of workshop this. But yeah, what's one way you can iterate and improve and then keep testing it. Now you, this might be your whole damn business. (laughs) Okay. Let's just be very real about that. Ask yourself, what is it going to take to keep going? It's typically going to be time, money, or resources. Now, do you have the capacity for those factors? You might not. That is okay. Hit pause, figure out which one of those resources you need to expand upon, and then ask yourself, am I willing to do what I need to do in order to get these resources, time, money, and resources. And I say resources because time and money are resources. So when we take time and money out of the equation, it's typically going to be skills, understanding, buy-in, people, support, networks, you know, those types of tools that you can use outside of time and money. So if you don't have the capacity or the ability to create the resources that you need in order to keep going, hit pause, resource yourself effectively. Then you can get back to this evaluation. So first things first, you need proof of concept. But secondly, look at your evidence for success. Look back at what you've created. Look back at everything you've ever done. (laughs) Look back at the times when you have been challenged, when you have felt like this was impossible, and yet you somehow managed to get through to the other side. If you're listening to this, you have survived, you have overcome, and you have succeeded. And you have evidence of that success. Before you quit... Look at, am I panicking? Do I have proof of concept? What is my evidence for success? And do I have the resources to keep going? Okay. There is no one right answer to this question. And the answer to this question can and will change, especially where you're at in your cycle of change, especially with how you're approaching problems. So where to from here? Well, in business, a lot of the times, you know, it does come down to these three resources and something that I uh, have recently been certified in is profit first. And that doesn't matter. Certifications don't matter. I just can't talk about this shit without having gone that certification. So I did it so I could talk about it, but you can access profit first. You can watch just Google Michael McCallowitz profit first. Um, he's all over YouTube. He explains it in detail. You can buy another very quick, very short read. Oftentimes we've over 
extended ourselves in terms of our resourcing. We're taught you have to invest to grow. And that's one of those old sales paradigms. Like you can't afford not to. And it's like, actually, I can't afford to. That's where we go back. We resource ourselves effectively and know that you want to be hitting an operating expense that is about 50% of your income, your total revenue. Now, most businesses are at least double that. And that means they're spending as much as they're making. That's a problem because the more you make, the more you spend. So that is a great place in terms of resourcing yourself. And do I have the resources to keep going? People will argue with me on this one. The fastest way to make more money is spend less. (laughs) When you put yourself into those parameters, you get really creative about what you're doing. You are a creative person. You are phenomenal at coming up with ideas. This is a place to play. How can I be more resourceful and more creative with the tools and capacity that I have in this moment? This is how you create boundaries, how you create parameters. And it can feel a little bit constraining, but if you've ever been to design school or art school, that's where they start. They limit the tools and resources you have available to force you to create. So they'll often put a time limit on it. They will often limit your materials and resources. You get one color palette, one tool, one medium to work within, and then you have potentially one thing you get to use for your point of inspiration, You know the, the parameters within which you're playing. And that's where the most creative ideas come from. So that's where Profit First can be a really interesting way of examining your financial constraints, which will then enable you to step into how to be more resourceful with what you have in this moment, in this capacity. This enables you to fuel up because if you're going through the dip, chances are you're probably exhausted, exhausted, not just in energetics, but ideas. Like you have pushed yourself beyond capacity. You're at the toss in phase in the cycle of change. And before you move forward, this is where the shuffling comes in. It's time to get back to basics. It's time to ideate. It's time to brainstorm. And it's time to get off the wall bonkers with it. Get ridiculous. Tell a hilarious joke even. Surprise yourself with alternative endings. And that's part from my storytelling episode. But fuel yourself up. Make sure you're rested. Make sure you're... You're nourished. Make sure you feel supported. You know, if those things aren't in place, like good luck, (laughs) good luck, problem solving, good luck, change management, good luck getting through the dip. So that's one of the places you can hit pause and go back to basics. Fuel yourself up, light that fire, fill your cup. Okay. And by like giving yourself a much smaller cup, suddenly the resources you have available are more than enough. They're overflowing, right? Because the, the, like, The name of the game is finding joy, even in the dip. And that's where like the the big difference between the proof of concept and the evidence of success is like, if this is the first time you're doing it, you're not going to know what this looks like on the other side, but you've done this before. So write out that list of all of the times you've pushed through this. This is your opportunity. This is your choice. This is where you get to say, like, am I tossing it? Am I done playing? Or am I going to shuffle? Am I going to deal? Am I going to play again? This is the journey. This is the artist's journey where we, everything we do is the hero's journey, where it 
it always is darkest before dawn, <laughs> where we very purposefully put ourselves into uncomfortable, uncertain situations, because that's what growth is. So when you can remember that this struggle is part of the journey, when you can appreciate the juxtaposition that this fear or this pain or this doubt or this desire to force provides you, because what it is, is like the true joy and appreciation of the success. That's how you get through the dip. That's how you can approach every problem from that level six, level seven place of like, this isn't this isn't even a problem. There's no such thing as a problem. This is just another step on my journey. And in fact, this is where I, this is where I prove myself to myself. This is where I define who I am and how I do. This is where I differentiate. This is where I go from good to great, where I go from great to exceptional. And that's why I say the only way you fail is if you quit. It's not to say, don't walk away. Don't give up. Don't toss it in. Absolutely. There are going to be plenty of times and opportunities where we just say, you know what? We're done here. (laughs) And we can laugh about it. Maybe not in the moment, but after the fact. And every story I tell on this, it came from one of those burn it all down and roll around in the ashes until you're covered in soot and mire and disgust and blech before you wash it all off. Whew. Lord. Yeah, I guess you can do it. You can find the joy in the tragedy when you're looking for it. And that takes practice, understanding how you tend to approach these types of situations and how you want to approach them gives you an opportunity to practice. You've got the seven levels now to understand, you know, where you're at and where you want to go from avoiding or fighting to conceding, solving, then actually creating and trusting to just knowing like this is exactly what's meant to be or what's meant to happen and will result in whatever is meant to be. Yeah, I use that cycle of change to understand where you're at currently and what, if anything, you need to prepare for or potentially a better way of looking at it is what have I learned and how will I apply that learning to my current moment and my future processes? I'm done. <laughs> it said it all. Thank you for listening. Thank you invet for investing your time and energy into your success. You should know where to find me at the BZ channel on all the socials. I also have my own module on change management and problem solving in the Biz Inc., my business incubator for dreamers, trailblazers, rebels, rule breakers, people just like you. There's also a community to support over on Discord called the Container. Because it's a safe little place for us to play with parameters and boundaries where we can test and talk. So I can't wait to see you in one of those places. If you want more information right now, text me 720-704-4865. You know, give me some cues. I'll give you some A's. It's an exchange. I love it. I love you. Bye. Bye.